Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays This is the French Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau. Now, welcome to the first episode of 2023. After a little break, our first break. Bonne année à tous. Now, on this episode, we get to highlight actually another podcast, a really fun podcast, and a podcast entirely in French, which is pretty cool. And one of the things that I think makes this podcast fun is that it comes from Louisville, Kentucky. Not exactly the place you first think of when you think of the Franco world in the United States. This week's guests are Dr. Jim Natsis and Dr. Patrick Latanga from the terrific podcast, Receipt Francophone au Corps d'Amérique or Francophone Stories in the Heart of America. Jim and Patrick, welcome to the French Canadian Legacy Podcast. Merci, merci. Merci, merci beaucoup, <laughs> Jesse, merci. Now, this is cool. So before we get going, obviously, I want to talk quite a bit about your podcast, but I think both of you have kind of unique stories about how you ended up here, where you guys are today. So if it's possible, it's cool. I'd like to go kind of get your individual stories first. So maybe, Jim, start with you. Can you tell us kind of where you are from and how you found yourself involved in French language, French culture? Well, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm born of Greek heritage. So my dad was from Greece. My mom's parents were from Greece. And uh, we spoke English at home because this was, uh, I was born at the end of 58. And of course, the uh, mentality in those days, like uh, many people of Francophone heritage here in the United States, and especially namely down in Louisiana, up and up in New England, um, where where there's a lot of people that uh, spoke French uh, in previous generations and aren't is speaking it as much now. We uh, spoke English. We were in. A, I was ashamed to be Greek. I was ashamed to be different, and so I was happy as a kid not to use Greek. And my mom would take us to the church there, and we'd do Greek school, and we hated it. Uh, my siblings and I. And um, it wasn't until I went to Montreal some a little bit later on, I was going to uh, I was starting to go out there to visit my cousins and uh, everybody spoke Greek up there in Montreal that were Greeks. And I'd be the cousin that this is my cousin. He doesn't speak any Greek, you know, to all the parents. And, and then I would hear this. Then Derepe said, then Derepe said, I used to hear that a lot, which means, aren't you ashamed? You know, your dad's from Greece. You don't speak Greek. Uh, and then so later I went to Greece for a while and learned some Greek, but never as well as um, I, I, I could have. But then when I traveled to Europe in the early 80s, I somehow fell in love with French. And I find myself now doing a podcast completely in French with with Patrick. Thank you, Jesse, for the question. My story is a little different. I, I mean, I was born and grew up in the Congo in DRC. I left the Congo in 2000 and went to South Africa where I began to learn English. And then in 2003, I moved to the U.S. So as most immigrants will do, I began to learn English frenetically. I plunged in English so much that I began to neglect my, my French side until in 2015, uh, I met with, you know, uh, Jim and the other crew here in Louisville. We began to, you know, engage each other in English, in French again, and that's how I came back to say, maybe I should consider this as an important thing of my side, my French identity. No, that, that's very interesting. It's fun for me because um, 
I'm sure you guys know. My best friend is you talked about the whole Greek experience. My best friend is Greek. Uh, his first language was Greek. I grew up right next to him. So I've kind of been involved in that culture a little bit growing up. So to hear kind of your perspective on, you know, kind of the Greek experience and knowing and being from a, a refugee, the Manchester, New Hampshire, hopefully get to this a little bit later. Um, it's kind of like a refugee placement, at least it had been for a long time with a lot of uh, refugees being placed in Manchester who spoke French. To kind of hear your background stories to me is kind of, is fascinating for sure. Yeah. And um, I'm starting to discover more and more about myself through this. And, you know, when Patrick and I started this about a year and a half ago, it was just, let's just do it. We've, we've been hearing about podcasts. I had gotten an idea from my sister and my brother-in-law and uh, my wife, you know, uh, my, on a visit here and they talked to my wife and they, yeah, let me, they wanted me to do something in English on tourism here in Louisville. And um, I thought I'd like to do something in French if I do anything. And I contacted Patrick because we had done something before, like a Zoom meeting once with some uh, soccer players here for the Alliance Francaise. And I didn't want to do it myself. And I knew Patrick would be a really good fit for, for what we're doing. So we find ourselves now doing a podcast in French. And like you said, from Louisville, Kentucky. But but I will point out <laughs> the fleur de lis uh, from Louisville it is our symbol. And... Um, we're named after a French king, so there is some legacy here, but certainly not the same as would be up in New Hampshire, where like a fourth of the population is of French Canadian heritage. Uh, the goal for us was basically to create a forum for you know folks around here and surrounding to have a place to engage with one another in a French language, whether they are francophile or French speakers or in the larger community of French uh, people. No, that's cool. Yes, I know, it's funny we we talked before we started recording. You got you have a shirt on right now, fleur de lis shirt, Louisville, except the middle was O U I, which I thought was a pretty pretty clever shirt from you guys. But I did it because I know you guys are from Louisville, so I looked at a little bit of the history of the town. It doesn't seem like the town was ever. I mean, it's named after French King, but I guess that's it, right? There's no like a wasn't settled by the French. It was settled by like George Rogers Clark, if I remember right. It, you know, it's part of the Louisiana Territory. You know, I'm from St. Louis originally, so you know, Fleur de Lis, named after a different king. You go down, um, of course, this would be where with the Ohio River and the Ohio River goes into the Mississippi, but it's it's all part of this valley, I guess. And there's uh, uh, between here and Frankfurt, Frankfurt would, being the capital, you have uh, what they would say in English, Versailles, Kentucky, which we would say in French, Versailles. And so there are some place names around here, especially more in St. Louis, but there's uh, certainly um, uh, there's there's reminders of, of French, but more specifically with the fleur de lis. It's something that you'll see a lot in Louisville. That's very, very cool. I see. I, yeah. There's things I'm learning all the time. Uh, but I did want to talk, even before we get into the podcast a little bit, because um, a couple of each of you have kind of very interesting things that you had done prior to starting this because and i think it's a it's kind of cool to, to touch upon uh and first of all jeb you talk, looks like you are the coordinator of the international studies degree program at west virginia state and i have to confess i don't know a ton about west virginia state university can you tell us what a little bit about west virginia state and what is this international studies degree program about well west virginia state is in the charleston area it's a historically black college hbcu it's um, 
We, it's not a very international place. I mean, West Virginia is 50th per capita resident to speak a second language, 50th per, per capita residents that are, were born outside of the U.S. So it's, it's quite a challenge in West Virginia to uh, try to get people interested, uh, not only in French, but I mean, even in Spanish, or, uh, apart from taking a general ed class, it's uh, difficult to get people to take Spanish even seriously there. So um, I've had a lot of grants and done a lot of projects overseas over my 20 plus years now at West Virginia State. I commute from Louisville to uh, West Virginia. And so um, it's um, it, it, it's been a great career for me. And I've traveled a lot as a youth and or, or my like early, mostly in my 20s and stuff in the Peace Corps and, and lived in France for a year and things like that. So this was an extension for me to uh, continue my international uh, adventures, I guess, on a different level. Very good. Patrick, I saw, I mean, going through some of your bio material, you, you've written about something I, something I did not know anything about at all. Uh, Les combattants, the, the combatant. How am I doing on the pronunciation? First of all, no, you, you've done well there. You've done well. <laughs> you just, who, who are these individuals? What's that story? Cause again, it was super, something I did not know at all. until I was getting ready for this, this podcast. No. This was a study of the Congolese diaspora. Uh, it's a group of people. Uh, they they are a large network. They are in the, in Canada, in the U.S., and in France, in Western many part of Western Europe, who have been protesting against the Congolese government since about two thousand to two thousand eight. So their all their protest was that you know the conflict in in the Congo was not being paid enough attention. And they were protesting against the president. And they've done it for so long that in my study, I was like, maybe I ought to uh, tell people what their goals are and whether or not they're being successful. Another part of the goal of the study was to try to see what is the relationship between the government and its diaspora. Because under the former oh. president Mobutu, things were a little different. But after Mobutu, the Congolese diaspora had a larger voice to engage the Congolese government. Very, very cool. Yeah, again, just something that, at least up here in New England, we don't know <laughs> very much about <laughs> at all. Definitely a different topic for me. But okay, anyway, as promised, I want to hype this podcast because it's a terrific podcast. So when you guys first got together, who approached the other one with the idea of getting together, starting this podcast? And what was the initial pitch looking like? Well, I like I said, originally I was uh, I was somebody was trying to talk me into doing something on um, tourism in Louisville. And I thought that I really want to do something in French. I've just been driven by French over time. I speak French at home with my kids. You know, I raised them in French instead of Greek. I had done something with Patrick. So I, I approached him. Um, all I did was leave him a text and say, I need to talk to you. I got an <laughs> idea. And uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't have to even pitch it, really. I just started. We met for a coffee and, and I, I knew Patrick would be receptive to it and uh it didn't take anything more than let's just do it, you know? And he goes, man, I'm on Jim, let's do it. And so we've enjoyed the heck out, heck out of it. So where we met so many people, but uh, uh, before I let Patrick speak for a moment, I, we got a special guest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a guy in New Hampshire that didn't speak French before he started doing a podcast and we were able to nab him <laughs> to, be, to be on our podcast. 
Uh, he's got the same name as you, Jesse Martino. I'd, <laughs> I'd be skeptical of that guy for sure. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it sort of kind of beat the record. You know, how do you learn a language in six six months and you are able to, to to have a two podcast episode in French? I don't know how you did it. Uh, well, answer your question, uh, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Jim came to me, he's like, you know. Should we, don't you think it's a good idea to have a podcast in French? In my mind, I was like, it's just so logical. Uh, because as, I mean, I went to school in the Congo. Sure. Growing up, we knew about Louisiana, but I did not know much about other French influence and other French community around here in the U.S. And my role was like, maybe... By doing this, I'm going to learn a little bit more about other French community in the U.S., whether they are Franco-Canadian, whether they are uh, Cajun or all other folks who speak French or who can claim the heritage. And that was why I was like, let's do it. Yeah, that's cool. And who came up with the name? Is that any kind of discussion? Well, it, it was uh, sort of like Patrick's French is more refined than mine. He's educated in French. He actually just finished a novel in French, which uh, we'll be hearing more about. We need uh, to hype that for sure. Yeah, man, it's great. I read his manuscript early on, and I've been pushing him for the last few years, but he finished his PhD and everything. (laughs) So anyway, so I I came up with the idea, like, you know, like some kind of tales out of the heartland of of the U.S. So I kind of pitched it at him, and then he, uh, how does this sound to you? Because- you know, you know, you and I, Jesse, we're people that are English speakers natively. Sure. So we don't we can hear something in English and, and feel it. And so with, with Patrick, he's got a better feel. So that's how we came up with Racy Frank going, oh cœur de la Mary. Because just like you said at the beginning, we want people to understand that we are on the fourth tier of the Francophonie on Amérique du Nord. And that is the first tier, in my view, is Quebec. And parts of New Brunswick where French is a language that's spoken first and, and sure. it's part of the government and everything. Other parts of Canada, which would be like tier two, where uh, there's uh, French schools and there's French websites and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of support for French. The tier three would be like Louisiana, uh, certain big cities where there's a, a consulate and, and big communities, mm-hmm. even up, up near where you are. And then the fourth tier would be like us. In the middle of nowhere, where where we get excluded from everything, we're not part of the conversation, and and that is our goal, I guess, is that we do speak French in these places, even in our, in our introduction, you know, when Patrick says "Baby, nous parlons la langue de Molière et de Senghor," you know, that's awesome. And, <laughs> the the sense that we we had with uh, the title "Récit francophone au cœur de l'Amérique." was to try to highlight the multiplicity of all the communities who speak French or who can claim some kind of French heritage or Canadian heritage, whatever. We just wanted to be part of a larger network. That's why we call it Récit Francophone, because there are so many of those tales of those communities. That's cool. Now, when do, how long have you guys been doing this, first of all, and how often do you come up with new episodes? Well, we started in... Um... I think it's been about a year and a half, okay, that, that we started publishing this. Uh, we were, have our, like, uh, 39th episode that just uh, came out. We do it every two weeks. And we're I was adamant, especially, and Patrick uh, 
felt feels the same way. We've always agreed together. And if something we don't, it always makes sense one to the other that uh, we have to be consistent. We, we think that there's a cemetery out there podcast. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> like, you know, the fact that I see that you started like in March of uh, 2019. Of, uh, 2019, you know, which would be on your fourth year anniversary coming up. And there are just so many people, I think, that start podcasts that think they're going to make money, that think they're going to be famous, that think that people are going to be listening all over. And that's not necessarily ca- the case. And I think that's what motivated you and others to to love what you're doing. And, and that's how we are. And, and so it's been about a year and a half. Uh, I've, I've done recordings up in Quebec. I've done a recording recently down in Mexico where I did a, interviews of uh, people that are learning French at the Alliance Francaise. And I made it a, span, a, a trip to Mexico into a Francophonie episode for Le Récit Francophone au Cœur de la Mairie. I love it. I guess uh, what made it a little easier for Jim and I was him and I, we've begun having this conversation since 2015. Whenever we'll meet after our Cercle Francais, we'll have a cup of tea or coffee, whatever. We had all those conversations and it came just so natural to now expand it to other people through a podcast. No, that's awesome. And for those who haven't tuned in yet, what what are they going to get when they when they jump on one of your episodes? What's the format? What does it look like? Well, um, the thing that's cool about it, it, you know, we're sort of like the, uh, you know, I, I remember when I started working out with weights, you know, there was the non-routine routine, you know, like the person just goes and what do I feel like doing today? You know, as opposed to I got to do my legs today and I got to do my my chest or whatever. <laughs> so with our podcast, one is that we like to be humorous. And that's why I think I, I like what you did, Jesse, because I, you know, self-deprecating and, uh, but, but we, you yeah. know, some of the stuff we've done to like going to like um, a, a dinner for the Alliance Francaise and a restaurant and me walking around and just talking to people to also like, including people like you don't have to speak perfect French to be part of this. We've had three episodes where we ask people, what's your sp- favorite phrase or, 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 uh, word in French. So we can have somebody like come on the mic and just say like, uh, on y va or, or je t'aime. And then we have somebody else who can recite some poetry or, 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 or more sophisticated phrases. So, so for us, it, it, I, I went to a, 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 like in Quebec, I went to a, a baseball game in Sherbrooke, Sherbrooke, which is not that far from the, your Northern border. Right. And I, and I just, there's a little baseball field there. They got the, the Quebec league, so um, I just went there and there's about a hundred people that show up for a baseball game there. And it's in French. And, and, uh, and so it, it's like something is like going to the, and uh, that stuff, the Alliance Francaise interviewing different people, um, uh, going to an event that's in French. And I, I think that's just been our style is like, what, what, what's something that presents itself as long as it's in French, that's, that's what we want. I'd like to think about us as uh, what we call in French, a furtu. It's like a bag where you can just throw everything in it. So everything that is francophone and francophile, we try to talk around it. And whether somebody's an expert French speaker or somebody who's just learning it, we can find a space for them to engage with us. That's how we do. But part of other things that we try to do around here is to go to 
some um, restaurants, if it's held by a French speaker, we can highlight that experience, other festivities, other activities that people do. Sometimes we'll go to, uh, like we did, a, one of our earliest episodes was about the bourbon industry. So we had two ladies in the bourbon industry who are French speakers. One was a French and the other one was an American. It was a fantastic conversation. We tried to highlight those experiences uh, both here in Louisville, in Kentucky, and elsewhere. Now, do you find that you can get a number of those experiences locally with the French speakers? Yeah, like uh, recently we just did a two-part, uh, two two episodes, a double episode on the the president of the Allianz Frontes, who's been associated with the Allianz for a number of several years, and uh, she's been a press started a uh, few months ago. But yeah, I mean, we, we got friends. I mean, it's interesting because if you really uh, go around the city and in, in, in Patrick's from the Congo, there's a lot of immigrants here now, more and more. And so once you're always going to have your Americans that are like us, that that, that speak French, we learn it. Um, uh, somebody who's had a Peace Corps experience like me or studied French, they're a teacher in the area. But also, gosh, if we really start going through all the uh, people we know from the Congo, from Senegal, from Burundi, so we can always kind of pick somebody here and there. And then the Allianz France has has things going on with the Beaujolais Nouveau, the uh, Chandelier. Uh, there's uh, there's just different things like like with the uh, we also had to kind of balk on not doing anything on the uh, the Coupe du Monde, the soccer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because we got kind of backed up to where, well, if this is timely. We have to have something that would come out now. We don't want to come out or, or doing, <laughs> you know, you don't want to come out like in late January or something. Sure. Yeah. But we could have easily, I mean, I, I went to a, a watch party with some French people and and uh, some a few other Francophones. It would have been easy to, to do an episode there. So sure. Jesse, uh, definitely, we can find people around here, but we like to mix it up with people uh, more and more around North America. Yeah, that World Cup final didn't exactly end like like I had hoped anyway. I'll say. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it ended up pretty well for Messi fans. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing game, but not exactly how, how I was hoping to see that end. But no, that is pretty cool because, like I said before, you don't. At least up here, we don't really think of the fact that there are other like everywhere you go in the United States, you could have this connection through the language. And I do think it's especially cool that your format allows you to kind of talk about anything you'd like as long as it's kind of related to that language, which I think is way, way fun. It kind of opens up a lot of doors for you guys. Yeah, as long as it is in French, you know, because obviously doing it in English like you do opens up better doors because almost anybody here can can interview with you. But 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 the role that you're playing and, and a few other people is 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 very useful because we do need to use English also to reach people. Yeah, that's see, that's my goal. I mean, that was my goal when I start when when I really got going because I know I've been criticized, especially when we first started. We got a lot of criticism from Quebec, be like, "How could you have a show called the French Canadian Legacy Podcast that's done in English?" And I would always be like, "Well, if it's not done in English, it's not going to be done at all." Period. Because that's the only thing I could <laughs> could do at the time, but on top of that, I think I have through this process 
in like you mentioned, you've kind of discovered yourself while doing this podcast, while doing your podcast. I certainly have, and kind of helped me reconnect. And I've even going to Boots Fest, I've met a bunch of people who have gone back and now through the podcast, been able to connect and learn the language. And I think that's cool. Just kind of as opening the door to to go in and kind of explore that language more. Jesse, I, I think what you do is also really good because it both highlights, you know, history and things that people are doing now and um, uh, what may happen in the future. You say something in a, one of your very, very first episode that that's what you're trying to do. Look at the past, look at the present, and then try to see down the road, 20 years after this, what's going to happen to these communities. And it's a, it's a very good thing to do. Well, you know, Patrick, it's interesting you mentioned that because I got written right here. Uh, what will we need to do? Wait, what will need to be the French heritage in 20, 30 years? Can the culture survive? Well, Jesse, by a guy like you who discovered your heritage in a different way and took six months out of your life to learn French and to be able to spend, what, 40 minutes or so with us in French, you send that to those people up in Quebec and let them listen to you doing a whole podcast with us. And I know you've done some stuff now with some people yourself. And so that's part of will this what will we be like in 20, 30 years? There's a multiplier effect, you know, like like I learned French. I, I my both of my kids speak French and I keep trying awesome. to give them more opportunities to, to improve it to where they become very, very fluent and educated. And, and Patrick and I, we always use French between ourselves. And he even joked on a previous podcast that we did with uh, Marie Brisson that uh, he goes, this feels weird being here with Jim and, and yeah. using English. Even today, when I was driving here, I kept thinking uh, in French about the conversation we'll have here. But I guess <laughs> what we're trying to do is really well encapsulated in uh, your theme song by uh, Joseph Vachon, French in America. There was a, a passage that really captivated me there. It says, each one of us must choose how much to keep alive. Yes, and that's what we're trying to do here. What are the things that we would love to maintain and then see what posterity will do with it? I love that. I love it. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. And I think it's especially cool considering, I mean, a couple of individuals here who work at universities because we hear from, we've had multiple, quite a few actually, episodes with uh, different university professors, people who, who lead um you know, different departments at universities. You talk about like this, it's almost like a doom and gloom, right? The struggle of trying to be a language teacher, especially a French teacher at the university level and how tough it is now with, with decrease in funding and how they're scared about what the future of language education at that level will look like. So I'm curious kind of where your perspective is. Well, look, Patrick's a poli-sci professor, so it's sure. different for him. I teach Spanish and French in international studies. So um, like I said, even where I am with Spanish, it's uh, they'll take a 101 class. And now we can't even get them into 102s hardly. Yeah. And because it's OK, I need an international perspectives class. Uh, they're in an environment where there are very few Hispanics uh, where I am in West Virginia there. And so uh, with French, uh, same thing. You know, there's uh, certainly less people who do French. There's always somebody to take some class, but they're not as interested in major. And we get a few of them uh, here and there. And so uh, I don't know, Patrick. I mean, from the poli-sci and international relations perspective, uh, what I was kind of thinking in my mind coming for this conversation is 
uh, I'm very aware of the question of representation and communities who are not really represented. Sure. I am not a Franco-American. I'm not a Franco-Canadian. I'm a Congolese immigrant. Sure. The question that I have is, how do I do to open doors to people who do not know about your stories, those communities? How can I participate without taking your role? Because I'm not supposed to be talking in your place. How do I open those doors to those conversations? Yeah, and, and just if I can add, like, like Patrick and I, we, you know, we've been bouncing off each other since this has started. And I see this, I think metamorphosis is a little too strong for Patrick, but I think kind of an awareness now of like, wow, you know, like I'm, I'm treading into some new territory here. Cause this is a guy who comes also and has got to learn English and learn about the American culture and, sure. and, and he speaks Lingala and Swahili. So, so French has always been an a key, you know, it's something he's known. He went to school, uh, his pastimes in his youth was going to the French uh, cultural center there. But then now he's because of this, he's starting to see a whole different level of what la francophonie is. And I think even people who are French speakers and, and even particularly in France don't even understand what la francophonie is. And it used to be like a bad word. Yeah. Ago, la francophonie. Who are these crazy people? Oh, we used to call it la francophonie. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, it probably is still a little bit of folly anyway. But, sure. But let me let me say this too, Jess, if you don't mind. No, of course. Like like where you guys are, I guess like I said, like New Hampshire, you know, Vermont, Maine, and 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 New York, upstate New York, you all you all share a border with a monstrosity of French. I mean, outside of Spanish, with Mexico and and a lot of Hispanics in the country, this. Chinese, China's far away. You know, you can right. have communities in in California or wherever, or New York, but we're looking at like 8.6 million Quebecers, you know, right yeah. right above us. And then you go to New Brunswick and you've got, a, you know, a million people or so in New Brunswick with a third of them are Francophones. And 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 we see that in, in, in Maine where uh, up north, like in Kent, the university itself has uh, students can go over the border and and take a class at the University of Moncton that's in um, across the border in Edmonston. And so you guys have a tremendous connection. And, and I can see where with this more of, of, of this awareness of people like you and others. And and we've talked about this on the side in, in a previous podcast that you did with us, that uh, the interest has increased just since you've been doing this. And I think once people start figuring out that, man, how do we connect with with the Canadians above us, and right. got, you know, and so you look at it. So universities, okay, West Virginia State or here at University of Louisville or University of Kentucky, they're going to be what they are. But when you look at like University of Sherbrooke, uh, University of Quebec and Montréal, University, University of Laval, I mean, these are tremendously large universities and campuses with all kinds of resources. And we have all kinds of resources now for distance learning, for doing sure. workshops. So, so I think that's something I want to make sure we find ways of connecting even more so into your uh, uh, French Canadian legacy and and understand because we're all working in, in a in an ecosystem now sure. in North America. Where do you where do you guys think you're going with the podcast? Do you have a plan for the future? Or is it kind of just one at a time? Where do you find guests? Well, uh, where do we go? Well, we hope to stay uh, around for a while. We hope <laughs> to course. continue to engage uh, the communities. And one of my goal is to 
to try to connect what's happening in the classrooms with what's happening outside. You have a lot of high schools and even universities who, who teach uh, French. So how do we open up opportunities for those who are studying French here in the U.S. in classrooms to see what's happening outside? You know, what, that's one of the goals that I have in my mind. That's I don't awesome. know how it's going to be materialized. I have no <laughs> idea. But we will hope and to continue to have a, a rich conversation with our guest. Yeah, I think, um, you know, my more realistic response is one that we just kind of let it uh, let it emerge as it emerges and let it continue as it continues and try to do a good job and let it grow as it will or wilt as, as it will. But, but then another type of answer would be um, Johnny Depp speaks French. He's from Kentucky. We're trying to put the word out. Johnny. That'd be amazing. <laughs> you can be the bienvenue, right? To, to, on our show. But, but, um, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to follow that with a seriously because why not? You know, like the guy just did a, he's doing a film and he's, his, a film's going to come out with him in French also about, he's playing a king. I don't know which king it was uh, in French, but uh, I think he's trying to renew his image lately and using French. But also I, I think what would be kind of cool would be like in the future over time, like anybody who's anybody who speaks French in North America has to sit at the podcast. With I would love it. Definitely. Wouldn't that be cool? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley Cooper, I think he speaks fluent French, from what I understand. Right, I know, but we're trying to get the word out to them now. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Jesse, you got a powerful platform here, so we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, we don't some, know. We don't know. <laughs> I have yet to book them somehow. I think we're we're gonna we do, we do we both got to talk to a night though, and Joseph Dunn. So that is pretty yeah. sweet. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Joseph, uh, the guy's a warrior, man. Oh, uh, he's amazing. We, we love him so. Uh, Joseph, I know you're listening to us, and I'm going to tell him you better listen to us. And uh, uh, we we had Joseph was in Louisville recently for a conference, so we had interviewed him, and uh, he came to Louisville by chance for a conference on uh, tourism. Sure. And uh, so, unfortunately, Patrick was in a flu uh, state. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah. But, uh, he and I went out, and and you you came up in our conversation, Jesse, and. Uh, he, he was talking about a, a night. He remembered a night. Well, no, he forgot about the night that he guys went. <laughs> he remembers a night that he forgot a lot about with with Jesse Martino. And uh, but uh, he goes, "I'm gonna hook you up with Jesse." I go, "I've been wanting to get a hold of him." He goes, I'll, "I'll I'll hook you up." That was so, awesome. Um, thanks, Joseph, for for creating this uh, friendship between us. Merci, yeah, merci beaucoup, sure. Joseph. Merci. Oh yeah, I shouldn't be saying that in English, Joseph. Merci, Joseph. Yeah, Joseph is. Joseph is also. I'm glad he brought up that um, evening. I mean, I remember some, not not quite all. That was a really good time. Is there anything about the podcast I didn't bring up that you'd like to bring up? For us, it's it's not just about somebody listening to a podcast, but it's about a network of being sure. part of something and sharing something with other people. And this is one way of doing it. When it comes to me, uh, Récit Francophone au Cœur de l'Amérique is teaching me a fantastic lesson in American pragmatism. Where if you want to do something, just go ahead, try to do it. And that's what we did with this podcast. I, I knew nothing about podcasting. Uh, I, I'm a consumer. I didn't know that I could become a producer of it. So now we are producing it and then we enjoying it. That is so awesome. It's so very all, true. Yeah. And I think also what, what, as just taking the, from what he, what Patrick said about, uh, 
sort of this, uh, what, what was the term you used? American pragmatism. Yeah, American pragmatism. That, um, and so I guess just Kentucky pragmatism of saying, <laughs> we're going to do it in French. You know? I love like, it. And, and I think that's the coolest part of it is just sort of an audacity. I, th I think most people, I mean, look, Patrick had to flee the Congo. And I don't know if it's a strong word, but he had to leave the Congo, was in South Africa, comes to the U.S., obtains a Ph.D. Um, I've been all, all over the world and, and, and was in the Peace Corps and lived in France for a year and backpacked through South America. So um, the two of us are guys that aren't. And I think that's why I like the idea of having Patrick do this with me, because I just, I just knew that he's the type of guy also like, what the hell, man? You know, let's just do something and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That was the whole thing from the beginning. Who cares? Right. You know, like take the site down, uh, forget about it. You do it. Like I said, there's a cemetery of podcast out there. So what the heck? For uh, in fact, many communities, minority communities, they deal with question of underrepresentation. Now, because nobody will represent them, they should try to begin to represent themselves with whatever mean they have from whatever point they can start. That is maybe what we're trying to do with this podcast as well. That That's so awesome. And like, and as you guys have kind of hinted at before, actually talked about before, um, when Mike and I started this podcast, we had, we were just, you know, up in Concord, New Hampshire, the high school up there trying to learn how to produce a podcast. We had no idea the people that we would meet because of this experience and being able to connect with you guys, like you said, just added to it, like a big network of people have this conversation has been one of the absolute highlights for us, for sure. No doubt, man. I mean, that's like the best part of it really. And if nothing else comes out of it, then meeting people, connecting with people, sharing ideas, even if it's among just some part of the, like preaching to the choir, that's okay, but we know it's resonating beyond that. We know sure. it's resonating beyond that. You can find us on the site, recifrancophone.buzzsprout.com. That's recifrancophone, spelt in the plural. Or you can find us on Twitter under Natsis James. No, that's awesome. Well, I really got appreciate you guys coming on again. We have been talking with Dr. Jim Natsis, Dr. Patrick Latanga from the amazing podcast, Receipt Francophone au Corps de l'Amérique, or Francophone Stories in the Heart of America. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Really appreciate it. Merci, Jesse. Merci. Merci beaucoup, Jesse.